Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus, the Lord who saves us from our sins. He is the Son of God come in power in order to rescue fallen humanity. This is who our Lord is. And just with those brief glimpses that we got from Matthew and from Luke, we see a whole world. It's like looking into the narrow end of the telescope and looking out into the universe in all of its majesty. So those little glimpses of the gospel give us that viewpoint on the coming of our Savior. Now, I have a lot to say about the birth of Jesus, and I'm going to this coming week. But today, I'm going to speak just briefly about his often overlooked and underappreciated foster father, Joseph, his earthly dad and guardian. Joseph kind of gets lost in the mix of everything. We focus on Jesus, and rightly so, but if there's a best supporting actor, it's usually Mary, right? Then you've got the angels and the shepherds, and there's Joseph, just kind of fading to the background. Although, Charlie, you did a great job this morning, so I really appreciate that. What I'd like to do just for a couple moments here is to meditate on the model of faithful discipleship that's provided by Joseph. Joseph really shows us what does it mean for us to live by faith. What does that look like? In particular, in that uh, gospel reading from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1, we get just a couple of glimpses about Joseph that really tell us not only about his character, which it certainly does, but also about what it looks like for the character, the people of God, as they follow after and trust in their coming king, the little Lord Jesus. So let's think for just a moment, turning back to that story where Joseph, think about Joseph and the, the consternation that he must have felt, the situation that he suddenly finds himself in. He's taken, he's betrothed, which means that he's essentially legally married, although they're not married yet. It was part of the, the ancient um, uh, process toward finally becoming wed. For all practical purposes, they're already united, except uh, in some of the really significant ways, right? And Joseph now learns that his uh, future wife has come back. She's been gone for three months, and now she returns, and lo and behold, She's got a bun in the oven. Now you're in Joseph's shoes, or his sandals, as the case may be. What are you assuming has happened? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? You don't immediately jump to, well, I'm sure God has done something miraculous, and this virgin is going to give birth to a son. Of course you don't think that, even if you are a faithful, pious man, even if you're somebody who knows the scriptures. Because the promise and the prophecies about a virgin giving birth, yeah, it's there. It's there in Isaiah, but that's not where Joseph immediately goes to. And so notice the first thing in the way that Joseph provides a faithful example. Joseph shows forth a, a kind of merciful justice. A merciful justice. He brings together law and gospel. And what do I mean by that? Well, Joseph has this assumption, as we say, an understandable one, that Mary has committed adultery. She's broken the sixth commandment. And so according to the strictures of the law, 
Joseph being a just man, a righteous man, a man who cares about God's law, who's going to uphold it. He can't just wink an eye. He can't just turn a blind eye and turn away from this transgression. And so he must divorce her, separate himself from her. He's a just man. He seeks to uphold God's law. He wants to honor it. And so that's what he's going to do. He's going to divorce her. In that sense, he does show justice. But it's a merciful justice, see. By rights, what is he supposed to do to Mary? Well, he's supposed to let the community know that she's broken the law. He's supposed to let everyone know that she has committed adultery. And then she is to be stoned. But Joseph doesn't do that, doesn't insist upon that. He's a just man, not only in the fact that he seeks to uphold the law, but also and even more so in the fact that he seeks to do so mercifully. And so, yes, he's going to divorce her, but he wants to do it secretly. He cares about this young woman, even though it's probably not the case. It's almost surely not the case that this was some you know, romantic love story. And because he was so filled with ardor for young Mary that he said, I must protect my beloved at all costs. No, it was probably an arranged marriage. And they're both more or less teenagers. Certainly Mary was. It wasn't because he was just filled and gripped with romantic love, but because of his love for the Lord, he says, yes, I'm going to uphold God's law, but I'm also going to show gospel here, if you will. I'm going to show grace and mercy toward Mary. I'm not going to insist upon her imminent demise, even though, and note well this, even though he could have also kind of impounded the bride price, too. It could have been a financial windfall also if Joseph were to go public with this, not only divorcing Mary and, and throwing her out there to be killed, but also financially benefiting himself. He doesn't do that. Instead, he shows merciful justice. He weds together law and gospel. And ultimately, mercy triumphs over judgment. As we follow our Lord Jesus, we seek to, to live in a similar way, upholding the law of God, honoring him in our actions, being obedient to the Ten Commandments, but also, and even more so, being people of mercy and compassion. As James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Where we must err, we err on the side of grace. We are to be people of the law, but also, and even more so, people of the gospel showing compassion to those in need, and in so doing, reflecting the heart of God. That's one way, then, that Joseph provides an example for us, that kind of merciful justice. But then secondly, I think Joseph provides an example for this in the way that he is open to the lead of the Lord. So Joseph goes, and he does what men so often do when they're faced with a difficult problem. He takes a nap. He goes to sleep, and in the midst of his sleep, he sees a vision. He is visited by an angel of the Lord who tells him, Joseph, don't worry. Don't worry. This woman, Mary, that you are to take as your wife, she is conceived from the Holy Spirit. Now, it would have been easy for Joseph to awake from this dream and then to think, to say, as Ebenezer Scrooge does, there's more of gravy than of grave about you, right? To think, oh, maybe I just have an upset stomach. That wasn't a real vision from the Lord. But Joseph shows us that he has that kind of openness to the Lord's lead. He's willing to hear God speak to him. 
even if it's in this extraordinary sort of way. Now, that's not to say that for you and me that we should expect any and every night that we're going to get a visit from the angel of the Lord and, okay, maybe God's calling me to something extraordinary. Sometimes he works that way, but more often than not, we can expect God to work in his ordinary way through his word and trusting in the, the power of his spirit, seeking to follow his lead, to be open, even as Joseph was in this extraordinary way. And that then finally is the, the most important way in which Joseph is an example and a model for you and me to follow. It's with his childlike faith. The childlike father, you might call him. Because he not only receives, is open to receiving that lead from the Lord, but he acts on it. And he acts on it by trusting the word from God. That truly, this Mary is to be the mother of the Messiah, the promised one. And if we think, oh, Faith is hard. Sometimes it is. Look at Joseph. Put yourself, once again, in Joseph's place and think about the summons that he has now. The call to trust in God and to trust in his word. How extraordinary that call was. For you and me to follow in his footsteps, to have such a, a childlike faith, doesn't mean that we have to boldly go where no one has gone before. It means like a little child that we allow ourselves to be led by the hand into these deep and wondrous mysteries. It doesn't mean that we need to, to scale great heights of faith, but instead to let ourselves be lifted like a newborn into the loving arms of the Father. Ultimately, that's what childlike faith is, to depend wholly and purely on the faithfulness of God. As Joseph did, so may we do also. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the offer.